Ladies and gents, welcome again to the podcast. The podcast is Tanner Talks About Stuff That Happened, and I'm Tanner, and I'm going to be talking about stuff that happened. This podcast was not intended to be an extremely elaborate or detailed account of anything that I cover in the podcast, only intended to be a brief overview of the things that took place so you have an idea, so you have a springboard for which to do your own very detailed research. That's why I created the podcast, and that's why I'm going to continue doing it. And this week, we're talking about Vikings. As I said, this month is going to be a little bit convoluted. Uh, It's become a little bit more convoluted than I expected. I didn't drop an episode last Sunday, and today I'm dropping an episode on Saturday, which I don't normally do. I will not be dropping another episode tomorrow, Sunday, uh, because I'm going on vacation for the entire next week. Um... I've been working on some personal projects that have taken up a lot more time than I previously expected, but those projects are ending today, and I'm going to be back playing catch-up for the next few weeks until we get back on track with our regular schedule, doing our regular four episodes on economics, ancient history, music and culture, and war. Those will be the things that we will always be focusing on, uh, with an occasional bonus episode, and not in that particular order, um... But that's what we're going to be doing occasionally. So, uh, without further ado, let's get right into this. This week we're talking about Vikings. This is an ancient history episode, technically, but the Vikings are not ancient. They were, I mean, not even really that close to being ancient. Um, While not necessarily ancient, inhabitants of the Scandinavian peninsula in the early Middle Ages fall into this similar mystical, legendary realm of understanding when history is discussed. And I say that because... When we talk about ancient history, there's so many unknowns. There's so many things that we have very general understandings of what kind of things happened. But because there's not extensive record keeping in most of these ancient societies, we really don't know how the day-to-day went in these ancient societies. And that's kind of what we see about Viking history. Viking society was, they didn't document every single thing that happened. They didn't really start documenting things until, I mean, the 12th and 13th centuries. And so... We really don't know how these people lived day to day. All that we know, we know from archaeology, things we've dug up, and things that we can basically infer from what we find in these burial mounds and old archaeological sites and things like that. We don't have Vikings alive to tell us how they lived. All we know, we know from what we find. Uh, So that's what I find so fascinating about the Vikings, and that's what I'm going to be talking about today. So, uh... While events in the Middle Ages of Europe were centered around survival in the feudal system, events in Scandinavia at the same time were very different. They were centered around tribal living and this insatiable lust for exploration. They've been immortalized into novels and movies and TV shows, and their culture has lasted over a thousand years. So today, we are talking about these Vikings. These are the three big ideas we got to talk about today. A. Who were the Vikings? B, when and how long were the Vikings around? And C, why is it important to understand their impact on the modern world? Let's go over these quick. Big idea number one, who were the Vikings? The Vikings were a collection of Norse tribes who inhabited Denmark and southern Norway and Sweden in the early Middle Ages. They were excellent hunters, they were skilled trappers, thriving merchants, intrepid explorers, and of course, formidable warriors and cunning raiders. Big idea number two, when and how long were the Vikings around? 
The first documented Viking raid took place around the year 793 CE, and that marked the beginning of what would be remembered as the Viking Age, which would last until 1066 CE. So the Vikings were around for two or three hundred years, plenty of time to make their mark on history. Big idea number three. Why is it important to understand their impact on the modern world? There are pretty obvious answers to this question to start off with. I mean, such as countries of Iceland and Greenland, the Viking settlement of Newfoundland on the American continent 500 years before Columbus even came to town, the trilogy of Thor movies and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I mean, so on and so forth. There's a lot, and there, but there's more significance of the Vikings than that. I mean, it turns out the Vikings didn't just hang out in the North Sea and take a few trips to Iceland and Greenland. In fact, Vikings explored much further. I mean, there are Viking, there, there's evidence of Viking DNA being found as far away as Turkey. How'd they get there? We're going to talk a little bit about that. I mean, the simple answer is we don't really know. I'm just going to be honest about that straight up. We don't know how they got all the way to Turkey and what they were doing down there. But their DNA has been found in genealogy that spans all the way back to Turkey. So that is fascinating. So now that we've covered these big ideas, let's get a little bit deeper into the story of the Vikings. And to do that, we've got to hop into our time machine and here we are going to jump back to... It is June 8th in the year of our Lord 793 CE, and we are standing on the sandy beaches of a holy island known as Lindisfarne. It's off the east coast of Scotland, part of a larger kingdom known as Northumbria at the time. The island was regarded as holy because on the island stood a large priory, which is similar to a monastery, which had been founded over a hundred years earlier in the year 634 CE. The priory of Lindisfarne has been one of the first Christian buildings in the kingdom, and it was regarded as the heart of Christianity by the inhabitants of Northumbria. It was indeed sacred ground. And then, in 793, a group of Vikings from modern-day Norway landed on the beaches of the island, and in only a matter of hours, the Vikings plundered the entire monastery and killed or captured most of the monks on the island before loading their boats with their spoils and making a quick getaway, never to be seen again. The monks who survived the ordeal attempted to document it the best they could. In a letter to the king of Northumbria from a monk at the sanctuary, it was detailed, quote, Lo, it is nearly 350 years that we and our fathers have inhabited this most lovely land, and never before has such terror appeared in Britain as we have now suffered from a pagan race. Nor was it thought that such an inroad from the sea could be made. Behold, the church of St. Cuthbert spattered with the blood of the priests of God, despoiled of all of its ornaments, a place more venerable than all in Britain is given as a prey to pagan peoples. End quote. Now, I'm no monk, nor am I a linguist or psychologist, but I'd be willing to say that I think this monk was pretty pissed off. News of the raid circulated through the land, and in the next few years, it achieved a sort of legendary status while falling victim to the classic telephone game. The Vikings ceased to be Norse warriors from the sea and became pagan demons from a far-off land sent to destroy all of Christianity. 
A chronicler documented what he heard. Quote, In the same year the pagans from the northern, re re northern regions came with a naval force to Britain like stinging hornets and spread on all sides like fearful wolves, robbed, tore, and slaughtered not only beasts of burden, sheep, and oxen, but even priests and deacons and companies of monks and nuns. And they came to the church of Lindisfarne, laid everything waste with grievous plundering, trampled the holy places with polluted steps, dug up the altars and seized all treasures of the holy church. They killed some of the brothers, took away some with them in fetters. Many they drove out naked and loaded with insults. Some they drowned in the sea. Close quote. Maybe they did all of that. It just seems a little bit exaggerated. I don't know. So, I mean, it's safe to say that the Vikings had struck a nerve with the English and made a few enemies but in doing so, they had deeply frightened the civilian population throughout the land. And as the story spread, Vikings became mythical. They became savage beings with no purpose but to destroy the homes and lives of the people of Europe. I mean, while Vikings practiced many factors of socioeconomic growth, incorporated an amount of gender equality that was unheard of in the medieval age, farmed their own land and held large communal feasts to celebrate very specific days of the year, the raid on Lindisfarne gave many people living in medieval Europe the vision of the Vikings in the distinctive, savage appearance that we associate with them today. But what came next really solidified that perspective. In the year 800, Charlemagne was crowned the emperor of the new Holy Roman Empire, swiftly enacting a slew of political, economic, societal, and religious reforms. If you listen to my Three Reichs episode, you'll have a little bit of an, of an understanding of who Charlemagne is. Charlemagne was a devout Christian, and he sought to bring all of Europe under the same theocratical belief system. Charlemagne was crowned emperor by the Catholic Pope, so converting all of his subjects to Christianity would no doubt bolster his authority in his new empire. But in doing this, Charlemagne took aim at one specific group that he despised above all. The pagans. <laughs> Definition time! What is paganism? Who are pagans? Here we go. Paganism is a term that was very first used in the 4th century by early Christians for people in the Holy Roman Empire who practiced polytheism. Polytheism meaning they believe in many gods. It was originally a pejorative and derogatory term for polytheism, implying its inferiority, and pagans in the Middle Ages often believed in tribal gods, the knowledge of which had remained local for centuries. But it's got to be clear that the term pagan was never used by said pagans to describe themselves. The term was coined by Christians, and even today it remains a relatively derogatory term. During Charlemagne's reign, paganism was used to refer to really any unfamiliar religion that Christian missionaries encountered on their travels, creating a sense of ethnocentrism. Today, paganism is essentially the belief in multiple gods. Though much of the taboo around it has faded, there's still a commonly held belief that those who practice paganism are strange or, I mean, I mean, some people even believe that they're inherently evil, but that's not objectively true. I mean, I have two friends who practice pagan beliefs and they're both lovely people. Moving on. The Vikings believed in Norse gods, and thus they fell under Charlemagne's umbrella of paganism. 
As the Vikings began their expansion to satiate their lust for exploration, they made landfall in Western Europe, specifically on the north coast of France, putting pagan boots on the ground in Emperor Charlemagne's brand new empire. This began a European war that was going to span centuries. In the year 810, Emperor Charlemagne ordered for a large series of coastal defenses to be built along the north coast of France specifically to defend against the Viking invaders. He released propaganda to his citizens detailing the frightful nature of the Vikings and he raised armies to fight them, but the Vikings were cunning and within half a century they already had raided dozens of prominent towns in Normandy. I mean, the name Normandy itself denotes Viking origin. After the Vikings raided, they settled the land, naming it Northmania, meaning Land of the Norsemen. I bet you didn't know that a part of France was named after the Vikings. I didn't. Around the same time, the Vikings were trying their hand at pillaging the British Isles and having significant successes. In the year 794, after hearing of the success at Lindisfarne, a small fleet of Viking warriors attacked a monastery at Jaro, near Lindisfarne. But this time, warriors from the Kingdom of Northumbria were very prepared to meet them. In the ensuing violent struggle, the leaders of the Viking fleet were killed, and when the warriors routed, their ships and crews were ransacked and killed by angry locals. Very few survived the ordeal to tell of it, and it was the last attack on England for 40 years. When the Vikings finally returned, they returned with true intent to avenge their fallen warriors. Before 865, most Vikings were from unaligned tribes, and these tribes would often war with one another. But in 865, a large group of Danish Vikings banded together to form the first Viking army. Exact numbers are unknown, but the Northumbrians called them the Great Heathen Army. And if that's not telling, I don't know what is. The Great Heathen Army made landfall on English soil in 865 and quickly captured the city of York in northern England. Six years later, the Great Heathen Army met up with another Viking force, known as the Great Summer Army, who reinforced their ranks. Then, the largest Viking force in history put a plan together to capture the whole of the British Isles. Simultaneously, smaller bands of Vikings were wreaking havoc across Scotland and Wales, plundering monasteries and sacking villages. And between the years of 800 and 850 CE, Viking raiders were terrorizing the entire island of Ireland before settling on the east coast of the island in the year 853. They established several permanent settlements which surrounded one large village. This village they called Dublin. Yep, the capital of Ireland was settled by Vikings from Denmark and Norway. The more you know. In the year 878, King Alfred the Great decided he'd had quite enough of the great heathen army plaguing his land. And he assembled an enormous fighting force with the intent of driving the Vikings from his land. At the town of Eddington, Wiltshire, England, Alfred came to battle with the great heathen army to decide the fate of England. In May, the battle began. Alfred and his army had grown tired of chasing the Danish Vikings around England for years and paying them off when they could, and their disapproval of the Vikings toying with them showed through their fighting. 
For several days, Alfred had rallied citizenry from around surrounding countrysides, calling for them to join in the warfare, and it was fought there between the 6th and the 12th of May, 878. Finally, the great heathen army was decisively defeated by Alfred the Great. The Vikings fled, confided to a small segment of eastern England, where they would remain for decades. For the next century, the Vikings would seek exploits elsewhere. They traveled to Russia, central France, Italy, Spain, North Africa, and the Byzantine Empire, which is modern-day Greece, Turkey, Bulgaria, etc. And legend has it that the emperor of the Byzantines used Vikings as his personal bodyguards at one point. Using the Black Sea and the Dardanelles, the Vikings established trade routes through the Mediterranean to Crimea and beyond. And it could be argued that the Vikings had as much cultural influence as the Ottomans or Mongols at their height. But during all of this, the Vikings had acquired one of their most treasured prizes, a small island between Greenland and Britain, the culture of which has remained nearly untouched for over a thousand years. The language has stayed very close to Old Norse due to its distance from the developing world, and there are buildings built by the Vikings that can still be seen today. And that is the island of Iceland. Most of what we know about the Viking landing in Iceland we know from the Icelandic sagas, which I have actually read a lot of. Though the sagas were written between 1200 and 1300 CE, they detail stories delivered through oral histories through generations of Vikings, and they outline the, the initial discovery of, the, of Iceland by the Vikings and the establishment of colonies on the island. Different from most stories of colonization in the last 2,000 years, when the Vikings landed in Iceland, there were no indigenous inhabitants. The island was completely untouched by humans, and the Vikings made it one of their new homes also using it as a base for future incursions into Greenland and, yes, Nova Scotia, Canada. For hundreds of years after the Vikings ceased their expansion, Iceland fell into the hands of various different kingdoms, but each one had very little to do with the island or its inhabitants, and the people lived quiet lives amongst one another, nurturing a unique culture and language. Icelandic remains the most unique language in the world today. So at one point, the Vikings had influence throughout all of Europe and even into parts of the Arab world. So where did they go? Why did they disappear? Well, as the Vikings rose to prominence, plundering their neighbors and taking spoils and hostages from faraway lands, their culture in the homeland was evolving. Charlemagne's desire to Christianize the world had reached the Nordic homeland, so while pagan Vikings were in far-off lands, they returned to find that their homesteads had converted to Christianity, making their desire to murder and plunder sinful, so obviously, fearing the fires of hell, they stopped doing it. 